0: out on facebook yesterday just to encourage you to read and those of you that don't get facebook give me a call i'll tell you what i'm doing and uh and so if you would turn to hebrews chapter 7 and uh man i'll I'll tell you god's really worked on my heart a great deal over this particular message and i titled it a better hope and uh, we need to see the hope that there is in christ jesus today amen and there's a great hope in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 7, and let's all stand in honor the reading of the Word of God this morning. We're going to begin in verse 11, and we'll read on through verse 19. So if you'll turn there with me and stand if you're able, and uh, we'll look at verse 11 through 19. The Bible says in verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 7, If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, What further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken pertained to another tribe, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek there ariseth another priest, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testifieth, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. Let's. Man, there's uh, many things that we hope for in this life, but uh, when you consider this life, it's fleeting. And God talks about there's coming a day unto the Lord. A day of the Lord is going to come. And so what's going to happen in the day of the Lord? What's, what's going to be the result of the day of the Lord? and God speaks of a better hope here. You have these Hebrew folks that want to go back into a sacrificial system, and when you get on in some other chapters here, you begin to see there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. So the ultimate sacrifice has already been made, and you've got a people that desire or want to go back into a sacrificial system because it's tangible. It's something they can see, something they can touch. It's something they can feel. And so they desire to go back into this sacrificial system, and yet God says, here, there's a better hope. And indeed, a better hope did come. And they were doing these things under the law, and so Jesus came and fulfilled the law. (laughs) He became the law, he wrote the law, he became the law, he fulfilled the law, and he died in our place, creating a better hope for anyone that's lost. Now we have Easter Sunday coming up, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, amen? And so as we approach that time, I want to challenge all of us just to consider the better hope that you have in your life. I'm not jockeying to try to get to heaven, heaven is my home, amen? Amen? And what should happen for me is my faith should increase based on the fact that I know that to be true. It should should increase my faith and it should give me an assurance of the completion of my faith. Amen. And so when I look to the scriptures, I see this. There's a better hope than just the hope for the things of this world. I mean, there's an eternal hope. And you know, so many people are looking at living longer and finding ways to do it and getting rid of the wrinkles under my eyes and getting rid of this chin and making myself look young and youthful and all that kind of stuff and trying to live longer on this world and in this life. And God says, hey, I'll offer you a life eternal. And we're like, no, 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 I don't want that. And the reality is, is he's going to give you an eternal life, (laughs) Amen. amen, an everlasting life a life that will not end, and it'll be a life of peace and joy and happiness and hope and and all the wonderful things that we desire in this life. And by the way, this life is never going to provide those things, amen? And so when we look to it, as I grow in my Christian faith and I mature in my Christian faith, I find that the only true satisfaction really only comes when I draw closer to God. And no matter what I do in my Christian life, how many of you bought something or you wanted something or you desired something and then finally you get that something thinking that that's going to bring some wonderful, great satisfaction? And it does for a short while, doesn't it? And then all of a sudden it goes what? It just goes away. It doesn't feel the same anymore. Well, why not? Because I've got to have another one and a better one and a newer one and a nicer one and and, and the updated one. And, And if you think that's not true, just watch how people buy cell phones for enormous amounts of money amen they always want the next thing on the block don't they and so they're always searching for something and here's what i want to challenge you with when you walk close with god there is a satisfaction this world mankind and any philosophies of the world will never bring there is a satisfaction in jesus christ i look at this and i think about the lord provided me salvation Not only did he provide me salvation, he provided me security in that salvation, amen? Because when he died, he died once for all. And if I trust him and trust in him alone, he says that he will take my whole, uh, my soul to heaven. If I go, I go to prepare a place for you, amen? And, and where I am, there ye may be also. Think about that for just a moment. He didn't give us an empty promise. He gave us a solid promise, didn't he? And he said, I will fulfill this. He is a much better hope than anything this world has to offer, amen? And when I look to the scriptures, not only did he provide salvation and security, you know, there's something, about it, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what the turmoil is, no matter what the trouble is, whether it's financial or or physical or whatever, whatever I might be laboring over at the time, there's a wonderful thing when you take it to God and you really give it over to him, there's a soundness of mind, isn't there? Something that no man can provide you. And he gives you a peace that passeth all understanding, that shall keep our hearts and minds, but it comes through Christ Jesus, doesn't it? There's something wonderful about this better hope. And Jesus Christ is the better hope because he fulfilled the law. You see, Jesus wrote the law. Amen. He wrote the law. And then he said, man cannot fulfill the law. So I must come down in the flesh as a man, being all God and all man, and I must fulfill my own law so that I can reconcile man back to God. What a wonderful Savior because he knew there's no way we're going to fulfill the law. And when Brother Engel was here, he was talking about, how many in here have ever just told one single lie in your lifetime? Guess what that makes you? A liar. And the Bible says, thou shalt not what? Lie. Lie. So you broke God's commandment, therefore, guess what you are? You're a sinner. Amen? And you need a savior because you can't fix it now. There's nothing you can do to fix that situation. The only thing you can do is, one, trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, and number two, ask him to forgive you for the sin you committed. Amen? And he is there to cleanse us from that all unrighteousness. When I look at it, he's a better hope. And then he sacrificed himself now that we have access to God. You know what's so wonderful? When you're praying, I want you to understand this. When you're praying, don't think that you're just speaking into the air. If you are a saved individual, by the way, the Holy Spirit resides in you, And when you're on your knees and you begin to pray, you are talking to God, the one who created you. Now, how do you get access to him? You get access to him through Jesus Christ, a better hope, isn't it? Why? Because before that, I had no hope. There was no way to really communicate with God. And so what it is is that this had to happen so that I can now have communication with God. When you talk about the fact that he reconciled us to God, he's given us a way not only into heaven, he's given us access to God on a regular basis, hasn't he? How many of you understand when you're praying, you're not just speaking in the air? Huh? You are speaking to a holy, righteous God. You're speaking to Jesus Christ, the one who died for you, sitting on the right hand of the Father. You know that ought to transform your prayer life if you've never given it any thought. You ought to realize it's not me just going to God and say, "Give me, give 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 me." How many of you ever feel like that when you're praying? Sometimes, anybody ever been there? Let me give you my list, Lord. It's like going to McDonald's and you're at the speaker and you ordered it all, and by the time you roll up to the window, you say, okay, where's my order? It's been 30 seconds and my Big Mac's not done yet. And we kind of get that way with God, don't we? Because our mentality is, is it has to happen when? Like right now. Two years, three months, I prayed for Karen to come to church. Just to come to church. To come to church. Just to walk through the door. Two years and three months. Do I quit now? She's only been there once. You know what I'm praying for? Salvation. Mm -hmm. How many of you gonna pray for Karen to get saved? Amen. She needs to get saved. Karen gets saved. Those who Karen knows that might come as a result of who Karen knows now. And then Karen reads somebody with the gospel. Amen. And they get saved. What if Olivia gets saved, her daughter? Amen? How many of you going to pray? Pray. Why? Because he's a God of a better hope, isn't he? He can do it, can't he? And what we need to challenge ourselves with is not to quit and give up. Do you have a God that quits and gives up? <laughs> Absolutely not. you got a God who is in the saving business, isn't he? <laughs> And he wants to save souls. Where? In Auglaize County and Minster and New Bremen and uh, New Knoxville and uh, St. Maria and uh, Maria Stein and whatever else there is out there, St. Mary's, wherever you go. He wants to win people to Christ. And you know what the amazing thing is? He wants to use us to do it. Yeah. Isn't that an amazing God? Yeah. I don't feel worthy to do that, but he wants to use us. What a great God we have. You know the little track you have in your pocket right now or wherever you put it? Just one of these. How do you know the person that you handed to isn't thinking about Christ? Casey Spence, who I witnessed to, he was thinking about his relationship with Jesus Christ when I handed him a track. I didn't know that, Brother Jim. I had no idea that man was thinking about Jesus Christ. But in that moment, he said, I normally don't have these conversations. He took me over to his little area and he showed me where a man had made a cross for him, where someone else had given him a band to wear around his wrist. It said Philippians 4.13. He had a, uh, he had a poster hanging on the wall that, that had, uh, had scripture written on it. and It was hanging on the wall. And I want to tell you something. That man has been thinking about Jesus Christ. How did I know that? I didn't. God did. And God pricked my heart and said give this boy a track and when I did it opened the floodgates God did that a better God a better hope isn't he a better hope don't quit and don't give up here's what I want to challenge you with this morning as we look at this I want you to think about we have confidence in God's word through Christ and here's why by his sacrifice he changed the law didn't he (laughs) The law is there to show us our sin, but he changed some things. Do you know what he changed? I don't have to fulfill the law. All I have to do is trust him. Amen? You know, when he did that, he provided eternal life. And so what God offers mankind now is life eternal with him. Now think about this for just a moment. It comes down to a choice. There's nothing in me that's going to save me. What's going to save me is the one I've placed my faith and trust in. And then he possesses me. And when he possesses me, I now am his. I'm no longer mine. I'm under new management. God has me. And I'm not in control. I need to allow him to have control. And God is in control now. Amen. Amen. And he's provided me a way to heaven. You know, the last thing is this. It's not just any kind of hope. He confirmed a better hope. Amen? This isn't, boy, I hope, man. How many of you have witnessed to someone and you asked them this question, if you were to die today, do you know for sure if you'd go to heaven? What's the next two words sometimes you hear? I hope so, right? I hope. I hope so. Man, let them know they can know and then show them. Open up the Bible and show them they can know Heaven is their home. I told a young Casey, I said, Casey, listen to me. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship, isn't it? Religion has never saved a man. Jesus Christ does. Listen, if this relationship's right, all these relationships will be right. But if this one's not right, these are going to be wrong. (laughs) They're not going to work out. But I have to have this relationship right. And by the way, for you that are saved... There's a better hope for you that this relationship can be maintained. Amen? It's not just any God. He's the God of heaven. He's the creator of the world. He's the savior of the world. this relationship being right helps all these relationships out here be better. Amen? A better hope. Let me get to this. The change of the law. If you look at verses 11 through 14, he said, If therefore perfection be, or, uh, were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there of another priest? Why did we need someone else? If if the law could save, what was the necessity of having another priest? And you say, not after the order of Aaron, but after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek came before the law, and he was titled as priest and king. That was not given to the priest, by the way. They could not be priest and king. They could either be king or they could be priest, but they could not be both. Melchizedek was both. And what happened is, is, God says in the book of Hebrews, now think, we go all the way back to the Old Testament to find this, right? We come all the way up to the New Testament, and God likens Jesus Christ after the order of Melchizedek, not after the order of Aaron. Why? Because Melchizedek was before the law, and he was both priest and king. Amen? And so what happens is, Aaron is just trying to maintain what God said here are the things that you need to do, the ordinances that you need to do to establish with the people that there is a coming Messiah. And the reason they're making the sacrifices, the reason they're doing this is to demonstrate that the Messiah is coming. He's going to shed his blood for the sin of mankind. And these people had to continually and continually and continually sacrifice, demonstrating the coming of the Messiah. It didn't save them. Their faith that they had in the coming Messiah is what saved him. The sacrifices did nothing, for a man cannot be saved by the blood of bulls and goats, but by the blood, the shed blood of Jesus Christ is the only way a man can be saved. When I look to the scriptures and I see this, the law was given to show men their sinful heart, and that's why the law's there. And you know, we always think the law is just the Ten Commandments. There's far more than Ten Commandments in the Bibles, folks, far more than Ten Commandments. But, you know, we'll say, well, these are the biggies. The first four are Godward, the last six are manward. And so what it is is that when you look at the Scriptures, those Ten Commandments are to demonstrate where we are in relationship to God and relationship to others. Making sense? And so God says, if you don't have this right, there's no way you're going to enter into heaven. So Jesus came and fulfilled the law so that we could have eternal life. When you look to the Scriptures, the blood that Jesus Christ spilled saved mankind from an eternal hell. Now the law could not save man, but by faith man is saved. Now they did not perform the law to get saved. And I don't know why people think this, but they did not perform the law to get saved. They performed the law because God says, this is what you need to do. And what it was is that the Israelites were supposed to testify to the rest of the world that there was a coming Messiah. And by fulfilling these, all they were doing is demonstrating what was going to happen for mankind. That blood was going to have to be shed for sin. That's what it was about. And so these people would come to the temple, or come to the tabernacle, and come to the temple, and they would make these sacrifices, and the priests were there, and these priests, by the way, were going to die and not rise again to save mankind. But, boy, when Jesus died, amen? amen, and the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat, it never had to be done again. Those priests that used to go in there into the holy place. They used to tie a rope around their leg. You know why? Because if they went in there and there was sin in their life and they died, nobody was going in there. They were just dragging his tail out. They weren't going in there. And they didn't want to go in there. They didn't want to see God that way. But man, Jesus did it. Amen. Do you know when he died, it says the veil was rent? You think about it? The veil was rent. Do you know on the day that he died, bodies rose up out of the ground? How many of you have read that in the scriptures? How many of you see that in the Bible? The day that he died, he said, it is finished. No need for sacrifice anymore. You know what the change in the law was? Jesus came and fulfilled it perfectly. He was yet without sin. Amen. He was a man just like you and just like me. And listen, a woman, listen, God fulfilled it all so that you could have eternal life. What an amazing God. Easter's coming up. What are we celebrating? We're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about what he did on the cross at Calvary for us. I know that message. I know. Do you know the message? Do you know the message? Do you know the message? I've heard it all my life. I've been to church every, every Easter I go to church. I've heard it so many times. And by the way, there'll be people that will come to church on Easter and never come to another service, right? But what if that's the day of salvation for? Amen. That ought to challenge us to invite some folks. A change in the law. So what's the change in the law? Here, it was occurring that the people want something tangible. They, they want something. They want something that they can see. And, and we have this relationship that we can have with Jesus Christ. You know, so we like tangible things. I don't know about you, Brother Bill, but I don't like to order stuff offline sometimes. I really don't. You know why? I can't really see it, and I can't really touch it and I can't really feel it, and they can tell me things about it, but I can't put my hands on it. Anybody like that? Anybody else like that? Sometimes I just want to touch the thing, amen? And and, and so, you know, you go to the mall today, and they're like dead. They're empty, you know, because everybody's ordering everything offline. And I still like to go because I want to smell it. I want to see it. I want to touch it. I want to, Woo! this is exactly it, isn't it? What? oh, look at this thing, man, this is the exact, Woo! I love this one, this is what I'm looking for, I've touched it, I've felt it, man, this feels good, and I'm ready to lay down my cash for this one, because this is it, (laughs) right? The Hebrews had a problem. They wanted something tangible again, Mm -hmm. something they could see and touch and feel and look to, and man, they wanted that. That was the sacrifices. They didn't want to believe that I don't have to see it to believe it. And what the struggle is, is you think about this, Jesus told the disciples, you think it's hard for you to believe? What about those that are going to come after you? How much harder is it going to be for them to believe? You have seen me. You have walked with me. But they, they have not seen me. They have not walked with me. And how much more faith is it going to take? You know, I've ordered some things online, and it's turned out okay sometimes. Sometimes I get a little bit bent. But sometimes it turns out okay. But you know, my relationship with Jesus Christ is not an online order. It's an eternal order. Amen? I'm not just ordering something offline. I'm establishing a relationship with a holy, righteous God. It's an eternal relationship. It's one that is real. It is one that you know when God's working in your life. How many of you admit that this morning? Has there been a time in your life where you've prayed, you've not told anybody, and it came to fruition? It actually happened. It it really came. And and you're thinking to yourself, how'd that happen? Well, I prayed about it. (laughs) And God did something about it. And I know no man could answer it. (laughs) I know no man could fix it, and I knew that the only way it was going to get right is if God did something about it. That's Jesus Christ. That's our Savior. That's the better hope. When I think about this, he says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things what? I can't always see it, but I know it's real. That's why I know when I kneel to pray, I'm praying to God. Why? The Holy Spirit resides in me. And God brings to my remembrance whatsoever he has said unto me. There's times when I'm praying, it's not an audible voice, but God brings to my remembrance those things that I've read in the scriptures. How many of you have been there? And he brings to your mind those things. And he says sometimes, Bob, listen, here's some things I need you to start thinking about in your Christian life. Here's some things you're not doing that you need to start doing. And, Bob, here's some things in your life that you're doing that you need to stop. And you say, where did that come from? That's called the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen. And the Holy Spirit resides in you. And if the Holy Spirit is in you, understand you have a better hope. Amen? Amen. A one that is eternal. Now let me get to this. The Bible says, for if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. There's nothing else you can do. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's nothing going to take a soul to heaven. So listen, when someone says to you, well, you got your way, and I got mine no there is one way amen and Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life and no man cometh unto the father but by me don't let them slide or slip out of your life without having told them the truth of the gospel the good news that Jesus Christ saves amen and he fulfilled the law he changed things that day didn't he and he did what was necessary as I think to this I want you to turn to Hebrews 7 through 10 Look at Hebrews chapter 10, 7 through 10. Hebrews chapter 10, 7 through 10. He says in Hebrews 10, Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he uh, said sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I am come to do the will of O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. What does it say next? Once for how many? All. For God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? He gave his only begotten son. Now listen to this. This is what we miss. That means everybody's on their way to heaven then. For God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? He gave his only begotten son. Now here it is. This is where they miss it. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. People don't mind that he gave himself, don't mind that he's the only begotten, but you're telling me I have to trust and believe that so I can get to heaven? Yes. That's not hard, is it? That's just truth, isn't it? And it's hard for people to wrap their minds around that, but it's not that difficult. Let me get you to think about this in 2 Corinthians 5, 19 through 21. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's deed, be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You know, when I look to the scriptures, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, which John the Baptist called him, amen, behold the Lamb. He's the one that came. He's the one that fulfilled the law. You know what he says when you're saved? You know what you are now? You're an ambassador. An ambassador for who? Myself? For the the United States? No, we're an ambassador for Christ. So the change in the law saved your eternal soul. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, and God now says to you, you are now an ambassador for Christ. An ambassador is, is, I'm not here on my behalf. I'm on behalf of my Savior. There's only one way to obtain this life, this faith, this eternal life. It's found in Jesus Christ, the better hope. The sacrifice of Christ gives life eternal. Look at verses 15 through 17 in chapter 7 with me, if you will. He says here, and is yet far more evident. You ought to underline that in your Bible. It is far more what, folks? Go ahead and say it again. It is far more what? Evident. Far more evident than it was in time past. He says, it is far more evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. Isn't that amazing? He never said anything about the priesthood. When you think about this in verse 15, it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there arises another what? Priest. Someone different, but of the same kind. Similitude means similar. Similar in this sense. They were both priest and king, but I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ went beyond that. <laughs> Jesus Christ was priest and king, and something Melchizedek could not do was fulfill the law. And all he is is a picture to those in time past of what was yet to come. And so as he comes, Jesus fulfills the law, something Melchizedek could not do. Another priest who is similar but not exactly the same because Melchizedek came before the law, and Jesus is the law, and Jesus fulfilled the law. So anyone that is unsaved and tells you they're going to get there on their own, all you simply have to ask them is, have you ever stolen anything? Have you ever lied? Have you ever used the Lord's name in vain? And you know, the moment they say, well, yeah, everybody does. They are guilty. Guilty. Guilty of what? They have transgressed against the word of God. You say, it's just a little lie. It was just a pencil that said, owned by the government. It's no big deal. I think it is. I think it's a very big deal. And Jesus died for even that pencil that that didn't belong to you. And Jesus died for what you call that little white lie. Jesus died and hung on the cross. And he provided us now eternal life. And through him, we find the forgiveness of not only sin, that sin nature, but we provide, he provides the forgiveness of sins once we're saved. What an amazing God we serve. Amen. Now I want you to think about this. Does he care? Yes, he does. The power for an endless life could not come through Melchizedek. Endless life comes through Christ. You know, I, I, I think about this all the time. Man's always looking for the answers, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, they're just always looking for something. The next new book out. Uh, uh, the One Minute Manager. How to be a better manager, right? How, how to live your life. How to do this. How to do that. How to, how to be better at this. How to be better at that. And they got books and books and books and books. How many of you have ever gone into the bookstore? And just walk around for a while. I mean, there's a book on anything. How to pick your toenails. I mean, there is something in there. uh, In every store, there's something in there. And how to pick your toenails for dummies. I mean, there is all kinds of things in there. But I want to tell you something. The fact is, is that there is no book like this book. Amen? If you want to know how to live your life, if you want to know how to raise your kids, if you want to know how to love your wife, if you want to know how to be a good Christian, if you want to know how to be a good neighbor, If you want to know how to manage your finances, if you want to know how to do things right, read this book. Very different book, isn't it? You know why? It's alive. And you know what this book provides that no other book does? This provides eternal life. And this life is in His Son. And he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. What kind of life are we talking about? eternal life. Who gave us the power to have eternal life? Jesus Christ did. How did he do that? He fulfilled the law. He came and he died for our sin and provided us now eternal life. When I look to the scriptures and I see this, I think about the woman at the well and how God uh, provides facts and how people reject truth. How many of you noticed that today? A lot of people rejecting truth. Yeah. I, I told you not long ago, I was watching an interview on Fox, and they were talking about the Michael Brown incident uh, out in Missouri, and, uh, and, and the person being interviewed, uh, the interviewer had asked them and said, here's the facts, and you know what that person said? I don't care what the facts are. I know how I feel about this. I want to tell you, be careful about feelings because it's a roller coaster. Amen. Some days I don't feel like getting out of bed. But if I don't get out of bed, some other things aren't going to get done that day, amen? And here's feelings and emotions. What are they? Just a roller coaster ride. But you know what? The fact is Jesus Christ died for their sin. That's a fact. People don't want to get the facts today. I want to tell you something. Jesus clearly told the Pharisees and the people who he was. And they say, tell us plainly. Well, when I tell you plainly, you don't get it. How many of you have told your kids something plainly and act like they didn't get it? Amen? Exactly. Anybody with me? I plainly told my son to go out and to get the lawnmower and to mow around the house and make two passes so when I bring the rock mower by, I'm not going to get up so close to the house. Now, I know I plainly told him that, and when I go out and I go, the corner and I see there's a barely a little pass there for me to get around and I got to get off the mower and I got to get the mower out and I got to push around there because I can't get around there with the riding mower right I know I plainly what I know I told him plainly Jesus told them plainly you say when did he do that well, let me give you this the woman at the well John 4:10, 13 and 14 25 and 26 listen to this Open your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Everybody with me? Look at verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, He's talking to the woman at the well. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee what? Living water. Now watch this. Jesus, in, in verse 13 and 14, look with me there. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into, what is it? What kind of life? Everlast. Everlasting life. Now watch this, Okay. Jump down to verse 25. The, the, uh, the woman saith unto him, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee. What's the next two words? <laughs> How much plainer do you get? He told her, I am the Messiah. Did he not? Now, she went into town, and some great things happened that day. Amen? She went back into town and brought some people out and said, Hey, uh, you know, this guy told me whatsoever was in my life. He, He did this. Come on out and see. And so they went out. And here's the thing. He told them plainly. But the very people that he tells plainly who he is, they don't want to hear it. When you go and you witness to somebody, how many of you have told them plainly, Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world? And they don't want to hear it. They want to reject the what? Truth. I don't care what it says. I know how I feel about this. We need to get past your feelings. Start talking about truth. God said, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. It's not just true. This is truth, folks. He provided and gives us the power of eternal life. I want you to be challenged in your hearts this morning. There's only one way to obtain this life of faith, eternal life. It's found in that perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ. Here's what I want you to challenge yourself with. Don't be afraid to have the boldness to witness to someone about who Jesus Christ is. I want to tell you, the homosexuals are not not backing off on their agenda. Amen? They're not. And they're not going to. And what we need to do is just stand firmly on our ground. I believe Jesus Christ died for our sin. Amen? Don't be ashamed of that. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. In fact, in Romans 1.16, he said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He promised us that, that the word of God, Jesus Christ saves. Amen? And he told you and me, don't be ashamed of that. Don't be ashamed of who you are. I am not ashamed to be called a Christian. Amen? And I'm not just talking about a fancy name. I'm talking about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? And that ought to motivate us and that ought to move us in the right direction and that ought to bring us to the place where we realize one thing changed and that was He fulfilled the law and when He did that, He provided to us eternal life and that eternal life comes through Jesus Christ and the only way anybody's getting there is through Him. Don't be afraid to tell them. Somebody told you one day, didn't they? You say, well, no, I heard a preacher. Somebody told you. Well, no, I was in my car and I was listening to the radio and I heard. Somebody told you. Amen. Somebody witnessed to you. And now you possess eternal life. How much more do you want your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, someone whom you really love to be in heaven when you get there? You know, while they're living and breathing, they have an opportunity when they pass in to that eternal life, they're going to spend it one of two places. They're going to spend eternal life in heaven or in hell. And you are that avenue that God wants to use to tell them there is life eternal in heaven. Amen? Amen. Let me share this last thought, and I'm finished. God gives us the proof of a higher quality of expectation. You look at verses 18 and 19 in chapter 7. He said, for there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect. You ought to underline that in your Bible. For the law made nothing what? For the law made nothing perfect. The law made nothing perfect. (laughs) Anybody that tells you I'll get there on my own, they cannot fulfill the law because there was a disannulling. There was a doing away with one day. And what does God teach us about that? For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did by the which we draw nigh unto God. You cannot draw nigh unto God through the law. You can draw nigh unto God through Christ Jesus. (laughs) Amen? Submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh unto God and he'll draw nigh unto you. Let me tell you how that's going to happen through Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's how you're going to get close to God. If you want your prayers to be answered get close to God. If you want to understand the reading of your Bible, get close to God. If you want to understand what's being preached from the pulpit, pray before you arrive. Ask God to prepare your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to work in your mind and in your heart. And when you walk through this door, don't sit here and snooze. Let God work in your life while the preaching of the Word of God is going on. Don't check out, check in. And when we're in the word of God, let God begin to do a work. This disannulling is a very powerful word. It means a cancellation or a putting away. And he says the law was weak in Romans 8, 2, and 3. He says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. What? a wonderful savior. Amen. He came down to be just like you and me. You know, one of the most wonderful things in my life, Brother Kelly, was this. When I was a little kid, I used to love this. My dad would come up alongside me. And you know how I learned how to weld, Brother Daryl. My dad came up alongside me, and he took my hand. My dad was a class A welder. They used to x-ray his welds, and they couldn't find cracks in it. My dad was good. And my dad came alongside me, and, he and Ben. When I had that welding rod, and anybody ever stick weld? <laughs> Tough, isn't it? Sometimes, what happens to that rod? Sometimes, <laughs> right? And my daddy would come up alongside of me, and he took my hand, and he said, "Let me show you how to do this, son." He began to run my hand down there, and showed me how to lay that weld. Man, daddy got done. I thought I can do this now. Ah. daddy said no come here let me show you what you need to do and he just lay it down A wonderful thing about Jesus Christ he wants to yoke up with you amen he wants to come up alongside you and help you make that a little more smooth and what is it that we want to do want to cast him off push him aside I don't need your help man we need Christ we need the better hope in our own lives we need God working in us there's nothing more amazing brother Daryl than the day I went I pulled that away and my daddy looked down and he said "That, that was good man i want to stand before god one day and i want to hear god say well done thou good and faithful servant